Welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes and sponsored by Jetliner Cabin's ebook app. This is episode 56 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby and I'm joined by my co-host Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Doing well, Mary. Pretty excited about this episode. We've got some great topics and a great guest. Agreed, agreed. I'm very excited about this one as well. But before we get started, we'd like to thank the Jetliner Cabins ebook app for sponsoring this week's podcast. Jetliner Cabins is the story of how scientists, designers, engineers, maintenance, and marketing specialists have transformed the stark tubular interiors of typical airliners into unique settings. This ebook app invites readers to explore the expertise, discover the details, and enjoy the fascinating world of Jetliner Cabins. Visit jetlinercabins.com to learn more and to download the app. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Marissa Garcia has worked directly in the design and manufacturing of aircraft interiors and safety equipment for many of the world's leading airlines. She now applies that hands-on experience to her reporting on product innovations, certification requirements, new programs, and trends. She is the founder of the aviation news site Flight Chic and contributes to many of the world's premier travel titles. Welcome to the show, Marissa. Thank you, Mary. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there in advance of this uh, big aircraft interiors <laughs> expo coming around the corner, Marissa. I'm sure you're in the same boat at this point. Oh, my. Hello, Marissa. It's yep. great to be speaking with you again. I'm a big fan. I always look forward to the notifications that come through on my phone of new Fight Chic posts. Thank you, Max. It's great to talk to you again. All right. Well, why don't we take a look at some of the PaxX news stories making headlines. First... Qantas has set a new record for a nonstop flight after a Boeing 787-9 flew from Perth to London in 17 hours. Marissa, you've been involved in aircraft interiors for years. You're an avid traveler. So do you have any, any health or safety or comfort recommendations for passengers flying ultra-long haul? Well, you know, um, I originally flew from New York to Singapore on Singapore Airlines when that route was still uh, around, and that was far longer. Um, and I would say that the most important thing is to be uh, enjoying the fact that you're going to be sitting in one place. And I know that sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but the fact is you don't get interrupted. You don't have to rush through a connecting airport. There's a lot of positives involved. Um, the key thing is to realize that you have a massive entertainment catalog right in front of you. Um, and to decide what you're going to catch up with, what entertainment you're going to watch, uh, make the most of the experience. Yeah, that is uh, that is one thing that's often the saving grace these days, isn't it, Marissa? The 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 in-flight entertainment system, and I think that um, I think that passengers it not only distracts them from oftentimes in economy class being in rather tight seating configurations, which is obviously something myself and Max talk an awful lot about. But it does so much more. I mean, it truly does entertain because these airlines do get uh, a little bit of an earlier window access to uh, to movies that have come right out of the theater. Um, so you might have an opportunity then to see a kind of a major blockbuster that perhaps you haven't had a chance to see at the theater. Um, and I, I know there's a lot of business travelers that uh, that actually look forward to and wait to view these movies in flight. They figure, I might as well. I'm flying super long haul. I might as well wait and just see it all in flight. Um, but from a, from a kind of health and well-being standpoint, there's oftentimes a lot of conversation around um, 
DBT and whether irrespective of the mode of transport about moving around and staying hydrated. Is that something that when you're flying ultra long haul, you really make a, a point to do? Well, yeah. Uh, for one thing, I'm, I don't drink in flight. I hardly drink nowadays uh, at all, but I have done. And I do not, uh, I never drank alcohol in flight if I could avoid it because that really dehydrates you. And it's important to get up and stretch your legs. Um, you know, it's much more difficult now in a post 9-11 world. Before 9-11, it was easier to just kind of go hang out in the galleys. And now that's discouraged, you know. Yeah. Um, so it is important to at least do stretches in your seat. And, and I'll confess something. I actually suffer from claustrophobia. So I was like the the worst person to go into aviation oh, <laughs> and no. try to fly constantly. Um, because, but part of it is that you really have to feel like you're in control of the situation. You know, I, I got in touch with that. So I think that I don't think that's really that uncommon. I think a lot of people feel anxious because it's they're in a situation outside of their control. So just trying to put yourself in a good mindset, try to uh, go through meditations, try to do whatever you need to do to relax, eat light, you know, enjoy the meals that are there on the plane, uh, but but eat light, um, drink plenty of water and uh, try to sleep. You know, that's the other part of one of the luxuries of a long flight is if you sleep eight hours, you still have a lot of time to do uh, the meal service and to do everything else. Sometimes on the shorter flights, like if you're flying transatlantic, they're trying to put in all of this experience into what's really a five to eight hour window and you end up not really resting because I mean, how much are you going to rest and still enjoy the meal and still enjoy the entertainment? Um, so the long haul flights are an opportunity to sort of space all of that out into a reasonable period of time. And I have to say, I didn't just travel in business. I traveled lots of times in economy class. Most of my flights were there. Um, I have the advantage that I'm really, really tiny. I'm short. <laughs> so I never, I never noticed a leg room problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I mean, you, it, again, the claustrophobia sets in, you know, you have people to the right of you, to the left of you, strangers and screen in front of you. So that's definitely there. And sometimes it's important to um, to get help for that if you need to, you know, talk to a doctor in advance, maybe um, and get something prescribed that'll help you sleep or calm down. But otherwise, just, you know, remember that you're, I, I, somebody was saying the other day, you're flying in the air. It's a miracle. <laughs> Enjoy the miracle of it because it's, it's just an amazing experience. Yes, yes. I, I think your mental attitude is really important for these long flights. I mean, if you go into it thinking that this is going to be a horrible experience, and you're just waiting for the worst, I think it's going to turn out to meet your expectations. But if you go in and plan a little bit and think about the things that you're able to do with that much time without other outside um, interferences and things, uh, there's really a lot to say for it. It's not like in the old days. Uh, I remember uh, Trans-Pacific flights from the East Coast of the U.S., and I I, I had to, uh, in those days, print out things to read and uh, develop my own uh, diversions for the long flight. But there's so many things available now that you can uh, 
that you could do. And of course, there's always taking advantage of the David Vanderhoof uh, advice for in-flight entertainment, which is just look out the window. <laughs> the avgeek-focused fo- advice from David, as usual uh, there, Max. Um, yes. uh, the one thing, of course, that I find a little bit jarring um, uh, is the notion of a 17-hour flight. To me, that would be – I've never flown 17 hours, so to me that would be a little bit uh, tough to stomach, though I understand people are doing it, of course. And the 7879 in economy class is, is – um, you know, configured nine abreast that comes under fairly harsh scrutiny these days from a lot of passengers. We're actually seeing on uh, on Runway Girl Network a lot of passengers weigh in and say they will never fly the nine abreast seven eight seven again. And so um, I think that passengers need to be aware of kind of what they're getting into when they're flying these tight seating configurations. And of course, services like Seat Guru and Root Happy and whatnot. We'll be able to let you know, you know, what type of experience you uh, should expect in flight. Um, but I have to admit that if I'm flying 17 hours from Perth to London, I think I need to be up front. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But if if not, you do you do need to be prepared. And I think Marissa's uh, advice is a really good one. Um, and I do think a lot of people fall afoul of the on the drinking issue. Yes. Um, they assume, okay, I'll drink, and and it really does you can get quite smashed at altitude um and it yes very easily and i think people sometimes uh, make that mistake and it actually ends up making for a much more miserable flight and of course a much more miserable experience if you're if you're landing with a serious uh, hangover and you're dehydrated so Hmm. airlines try to help through that you know they they go out of their way to um you know, try to plan the meals so that they're a little bit less stressful on the body. Plan the, you know, availability of, of liquids, uh, you know, uh, good beverages. Oh, I mean, just watching some of the people on Twitter who were uh, in the economy cabin sharing their experiences. One uh, gentleman sharing the whole route. Um, and it, it was really positive. You know, I mean, it seemed like Qantas. I mean, they gave you little blinders so you could sleep and not notice the people around you. And the little, um, just, you know, a small amenity kit for economy. Economy class, simple fix um, that really goes a long way to add a little comfort. Um, they had very nice, uh, healthy meals offered, good beverages, and they had that nice little bar where you could get up and go grab something for yourself if you wanted an extra soda or, or a snack. Those are uh, amazingly good ideas. I think airlines should do that. You know, they have to recognize too that it, it is going to, even in economy cabin, uh, passengers deserve to feel that they got to the other side better off than they might, you know? Uh, right. So any little, <laughs> any other little comforts uh, are great. And of course, cabin crew, you know, that makes all of the difference. I've been on short flights with bad cabin crew. Um, and, and I hate to use that term because, you know, cabin crew have their own issues to contend with as they're trading, but just not as amenable um, that have been nightmarish flights. And I've set a sworn off the airlines and very long flights with uh, very accommodating crew, um, which I would fly over and over again. You know, it, it makes a big difference to have crew that are paid well trained well and treated well by their bosses so that that way they pass on a very positive experience to their customers. Well, and one of the nice things about flying uh, many flights of this length is that that makes the four and six hour flights seem really short. (laughs) They become (laughs) enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They're nothing but a thing at that point, aren't they, Max? It's funny. 
All right. Well, next, Iberia's first A350-900 aircraft is prepped for delivery. The aircraft features some nice passenger-pleasing attributes. Marissa, you covered this story on Flight Chic. What should passengers expect? Well, I'm excited because, of course, I'm Spanish, so I'm very biased in this regard. (laughs) Very excited that Iberia is getting the A350. The A350 itself, um, very much like the Dreamliner, it's it's a very passenger-friendly aircraft. So, like, the cabin just feels very um, easy on you. You know, it's got a lot of um, space above you. It's easy to get your luggage on there. The seating feels comfortable in general. You know, it doesn't feel that crowded because the whole of the space is cavernous and the lighting is good. So I think passengers who fly any airlines, A350, can already look forward to that. Um, Just the experience alone is very good. Iberia has introduced a new premium economy cabin that I think is gorgeous. And that is going to be a really, I think, for someone who wants to uh, upgrade without paying the full uh, amount of money might cost to go business or first class, the premium economy is going to be a really good buy in their aircraft. I think that they can expect just a, a really pleasant flight. And it's an important aircraft for uh, Iberia strategically because it will make their uh, long haul service just very, very attractive. So I'm, I'm excited for them. I um, I have to say I'm, I'm really happy and grateful that so many airlines are adopting these, these really well-rounded premium economy seats, as you say, Marissa. I mean, uh, it really makes such a difference. And uh, I know our deputy editor here at Runway Girl, John Walton, he, he often refers to what he calls the comfort canyon between business and economy. If you've got, if you don't have a premium economy product, sometimes, you know, th- there is a bit of a canyon in terms of, of service. And I just love the premium economy seating. It's, you know, as you know yourself, a true premium economy seat is a wider seat. So you're getting more leg room and you're getting wider seat to be able to move around generally um, and has, of course, additional bells and whistles like, you know, additional in-seat power outlets and whatnot. Um, It makes a big deal. But one of the things I also like about this Iberia A350 is that it is offering uh, high-speed internet over the Panasonic KU connectivity system and, of course, Panasonic's latest generation IFE, um, which uh, will make a big difference. And Iberia elsewhere in in its fleet is equipping with GoGo high-speed internet. So it's also exciting to see the kind of non-U.S. carriers, the world fleet now getting fitted and really those those uh, connectivity equipages happening apace now. And, and that's exciting. Now, when you're in flight, Marissa, are you eager to stay connected or do you go into more of a relaxation mode? Funny thing, I never thought that I would care because, um, you know, I, I trained myself to have the airplane be my sort of temple of silence because, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? It was a temple of silence. And I'm the kind of girl who used to make phone calls from the plane with air phone, believe it or not, um, you know, in an emergency. It wasn't like I just called to check how my neighbor was doing, but it's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I used to like to be isolated. And then I took a flight with Finnair on their A350, by the way, uh, from Helsinki to Singapore. And I was able to stay in touch with my husband on Skype 
not uh, face-to-face, but just chatting back and forth. And it was the most delightful thing because, you know, it was just having a friend there and um, being able to just reassure him that everything was fine and we were heading in the right direction. Um, That was just really wonderful. But I didn't, I I don't like to use it to work per se. Um, I have tried to use it for work in in other flights that I've taken and I find it a little bit, um, yeah, I'm just robbing myself of that quiet time. So I guess for for staying in touch, it's wonderful. But I'm not a I'm not a pro user. Let's just put it that way. Very interesting, actually. Well, that means that you you know you're ensuring that you have some quality of life, <laughs> Marissa, which is important. Oh my goodness! I actually like to sleep a lot on airplanes. They um, <laughs> they make it very easy for me to become yeah. drowsy and just pass out. So I spend a lot of time sleeping. But otherwise, in terms of the um, electronic options, watch a movie or two, maybe catch up on email and that sort of thing, but not a super heavy uh, user of online capabilities. And of course, catch up on my uh, huge backlog of podcasts to listen to. Looking back at some of the times when I, you know, when I was really just hustling, if you will, just working nonstop and, and having to be in touch with a bunch of people, which is what caused me to use the earphone. I can see the advantage of being able to just send a quick message to the office and say, hey, I'm not going to make this many. There's just no way. And, you know, you need to help me with that. Before it was just like, well, good luck. Once you land, you can make your apologies um, now. Or you could try to shout over the sound of the engines on that phone. Um, it, now it's just so much better. People have options. And that helps a lot with the, you know, the feeling of lack of control over your experience because it at least gives people a, a resource. You know, I, I think it's a wonderful advancement. Yeah, that's a super important point. Um, it, it seems, uh, you know, for a lot of people, uh, they get a bit of anxiety these days if they are disconnected. You know, there's now this kind of notion of, oh gosh, you know, I'm separated from my social network or my family on my social network or my friends. I'm separated from my business. And even just the notion that it's there and available, whether or not you use it, can really reduce that anxiety. And if you're, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm one of those individuals that I suppose I have connectivity addiction <laughs> or I, I feel like I need to be connected at all times. That's kind of a, maybe it's a sad thing to say, but I, I, I am one of those individuals that if there is, if there's no way uh, to connect in flight, I, I will feel that anxiety. So it, it's uh, it's nice to have, it's a nice to have for sure. Now, I understand the business class seats have an 18-inch screen for in-flight entertainment. Is that is that correct? That's a huge screen. Yeah. I mean, the, the screens in business class are getting enormous. I mean, the airlines are investing so much in their premium experiences um, that it's delightful. I mean, the one thing I like about premium economy, to be honest, is that it is first class. As far as I'm concerned, when, I, when we were first making first class, that was it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So really, you get when you get premium economy, you're getting a, a really nice treat. But what they're doing now with business class and with first class is out of this world. I mean, it's it's a dream to be able to travel in those um, cabins and uh, those private cubicles and, um, and suites. It's amazingly uh, delightful. The Delta One, for example, as well. You know, that that just being able to make that space completely private for business class passengers a tremendous advancement. Um, so yeah, the big screens and the big seats and the ability to lie flat, truly lie flat, 
those are all going to make long distance travel very comfortable and short distance travel comfortable too. I think it's great. Yeah, I don't think I'm that comfortable in my home. <laughs> Max. <laughs> it really is amazing. I mean, yeah, when you call it premium or super premium, and as you say, Marissa, especially compared to what we used to experience for first class, these kinds of things are just phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's tremendous engineering behind it, too, you know, because it's difficult to do um, to get the dynamics um, properly, you know, the, the, the crash tests to work. Uh, and the more complications you add to anything that you're building, the more likely it's going to fail um, when you're doing the engineering of it. And, and these uh, engineers have really worked out all of the angles. They've they've really worked hard to deliver just a spectacular um almost like a hotel-like experience for those who are willing to pay hotel rates, you know, because let's face it, I mean, you're, you're paying $10,000, $12,000 one way or, um, you know, higher in some cases. You expect to get quite a lot for that um, because that's a big chunk. Even if you have a whole heck of a lot of money, that's a, a lot of your travel budget to spend just on getting there, you know. Sure. And it's and those seats, of course, are paying for the folks in the back to be able to have those low fares, you know. So it's interesting that I, I think people sometimes forget, you know, oftentimes because we write a lot about uh, premium cabin seating and sometimes people will say on Twitter, what first world 21st century problems? And it <laughs> is. It truly, truly yeah, is. Sure. But it is also ensuring that, you know, uh, economy class passengers have access to these days, super low fares and flying internationally to boot. So it's, uh, it's something we like to underscore, <laughs> remind <Yeah>. folks. <laughs> Mary, you'll relate to this, I'm sure, because you were also, you know, born in Ireland and raised abroad. You know, back in the day, it was really difficult to go home and just visit the family. Something as simple as just wanting yes, to visit yes. your family. You had to save for months, for years, and it was a big event. And you you packed your bag full of treats to bring home. And it was just a whole thing because it was unheard of that you should go back to the to you know the old country or back to the to the Americas. Right. Either way, whichever one of the ways you were crossing, it was unheard of. And now you wouldn't think twice, the average family wouldn't think twice about uh, heading over, you know, to the other side of the country or across the water to visit relatives. And that's wonderful. It's a tremendous change in lifestyle quality. Mm. Very, very true. Very true. My sister uh, alerted me um, uh, recently that she had found kind of rock bottom fares to Italy to bring her family uh, to do a round trip on Norwegian. Uh, she was going to, uh, going to be able to do it for seventeen fifty for three people. <laughs> And right. I thought, my goodness, you know, that, you know, so I think that there's a mythology perhaps that was, has been built up around the kind of golden age of travel. And, you know, in, in many respects, there was this, there's this me thinking that, you know, the seats were cavernous and everything else. But, you know, you're talking about a time when people were smoking a lot and mm -hmm. <laughs> you didn't get flights, you didn't get, you didn't send three people from LA to, to Rome for 1750. No way. So I, you know, again, it's those, you know, reminding folks, you know, actually, Maybe we're in the current golden age, even though there are some difficulties for some of us who are particularly tall in the back of the bus. But, <laughs> yes. um, All right. Well, as our last topic, let's talk about the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg, just around the corner. 
We'll see seat makers, interior materials experts, in-flight entertainment and connectivity providers, airline catering companies, content providers, and ground-based tech and eatery firms. They'll all be showing their wares. Even the rail industry will be getting in on the PaxX action this year. Marissa, are there any products or themes emerging in advance of the show that we should be paying attention to? I think we've covered quite a good amount of them in our conversation so far. I think that the effect of technology now on making the passenger experience better is is dramatic. It's no longer just a hype. It, it is a, a real product. Um, you have connectivity and in-flight entertainment taking on a whole haul uh, for themselves that is about the size of when the show started, you know, and it's, it's really that big. Um, so it's in, in an important contribution. I think looking at um, what is going to happen with the lean seats, you know, is going to be important um, because they're, they're continuing to improve those in terms of aerodynamics and ergonomics. I don't expect to see any sort of big, huge revelations of, of new, um, first-class seating this year necessarily. Uh, other years we've had that, but um, there was already the reveal of the Emirates first-class cabin, and I think that's about as much of a wower uh, as we're going to see for a while, perhaps. But uh, definitely expect to see a lot of uh, advancements in technology. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I'd say that um, the fact that they've dedicated that entire hall to IFEC really speaks volumes, doesn't it, Marissa, about where, where that is all heading and the importance of it all. And it does take us right back to our original conversation that it's serving in, in so many different ways, not just ensuring people can be connected, whether to entertain themselves or to stay connected uh, for work purposes. Um, but also, I mean, effectively, we're also seeing some of the satellite uh, operators even getting involved, which I find fascinating for an aircraft interiors expo to have satellite operators a growing number of them on the show floor it's um you know it's really indicative of you know how important connectivity has become to the passenger experience and and so it's so neat to see seat makers satellite operators (laughs) side by side it's kind of wild and all the lovely trim and finish people too yes you know trim and finish really makes the the cabin and those um trim and finish suppliers are always the ones that are sort of overlooked but the textile technology has advanced quite a lot too and and uh surfaces and um coverings are, are, are so much more that can be done with the plastics so that part of it is exciting too it doesn't um get quite as much attention perhaps, but those are the subtle things that create the environment that you notice without noticing. You know, they're they're the touches that, that make the experience complete. One thing that we've seen in years past on the show floor, of course, are these um, seats, slimline seats that are pitched very close together, down to 27 inches. And yet, and yet, we actually haven't seen them, to my knowledge, now correct me if I'm wrong, actually rolled out on any aircraft as yet because they haven't been required because these airlines are managing to squeeze the seats in that they're able to squeeze in without going down to a 27-inch pitch. I do wonder if we will continue to see iterations of that uh, here at this this year's show. What do you think? Do you think we'll keep seeing them kind of driving down with the tighter pitch with the prospect of maybe going in that direction? 
From a sales point of view, I think that they will still present them if, so that airlines okay. know that that could be done in a, in theory. You could still be okay. comfortable in our very tight seat because it, it shows the ergonomics. Now, on a practical point of view as to whether they're going to be deployed, I don't think that airlines will want to keep cramming seats in there. And, and part of the reason is they're building over capacity. Um, and we the industry has been through this before. You know, um, you can build over capacity by having too many aircraft or you can build over capacity by putting too many people on too many aircraft or by having too many flight frequencies. Well, any one of those will build over capacity in a route. And they can do that in lower prices and try to put competitors out of business. And airlines like to do that, too you know, by lowering fares to ridiculous amounts. But eventually you end up with a lot of empty seats on planes, eventually, one way or another. Um, and usually when that happens, then you start to see people uh, back off. We're not there yet. We have a very high load factor on average throughout the industry. Um, but, you know, I think that some of the routes are going to start to show some some stress uh, in terms of, of competition. And you may have airlines back off for a while and say, okay, this, we're, you know, this is the pitch we're going to put in there. We're not going to um, try to put in the capacity by jamming more people in there. Um, and the other angle though, to that is that passenger numbers are increasing and we know that there's going to be a lot of demand. So if air framers are delayed somehow in, in introducing all of these new aircraft that are on order, you know, I, I could, I could be proven wrong. Um, but okay. I, I don't, yeah, I don't really expect them to try to push the limits any further. From your lips to God's ears, Marissa. <laughs> yeah, a year from now, I was saying, see, Marissa doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, I, I know that the uh, Crystal Cabin Awards uh, will be announced. This is the 12th anniversary for those awards, I guess. And I was going to ask if uh, you had any, well, thoughts on uh, what the uh, entrants are like or, or what the results might be. But, Mary, I see you're on the judging panel, so I guess you really can't say anything about the. So I have to be like a locked box um, about the Crystal Cabin Award. Uh, and we've been really careful on Runway Girl as well because of that. Um, so any coverage that we've done of the products that have been shortlisted is uh, totally straight news coverage. Um, you know, I, I, I've kind of put my foot down and said, I, I don't, for, to the writers, I don't need opinion pieces <laughs> about Crystal Cabin Awards right now. Let's hold off um, because I, I really need to remain completely sure. objective. And so I will now actually bow out and not say anymore. Marissa, <laughs> Um, what, what are your thoughts about what you're seeing coming out of the Crystal Cabin Award shortlist? Well, what I'm seeing is that the Crystal Cabin has uh, fulfilled its destiny, if you will. Um, from the beginning, it was intended to push innovation forward, uh, to encourage those suppliers who were coming, trying to do a little, something a little different in an industry that is slow to change. You know, it's it's a it, it's like icebergs in that sense. Um, <laughs> um, so it was really trying to encourage people to look at things differently and it's it's done that job so well but the I've said this before, but the part that I find the most exciting is the university challenge because we need um, really uh, clever people coming into the industry, deciding that aeronautics and aviation are going to be their careers. 
Um, and it really encourages the university students to think about their future plans. And that then, in part, puts pressure on the existing suppliers to say, hey, why didn't we think of that? Um, or it can, is there a way that we can deliver that? It is pushing the industry forward. It's a wonderful competition. It's, it's not just fluff. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, they're all meritorious. I don't envy you, Mary, because it would be just basically, yeah, th- that should win too. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough year this year speci- uh, in particular. This will be my second year. But this year, it's just remarkable, the innovations that have been put forward. And this has really become a, a, really a global awards. It's known... Uh, as the as the Oscars of the aircraft interiors world, you know, I mean, and, and it really has become that. And the uh, the innovation that we're seeing is remarkable. But um, one thing to your point about the university uh, submissions, uh, Marissa, that's also where we're increasingly seeing women, um, you know, because it's still an old boys club <laughs> aviation. And, um, uh, you know, we actually had some female winners last year, but oftentimes now we're seeing a lot of these submissions coming from women. And it's, that's exciting. Young women that are looking at entering the field of engineering and aircraft interiors is brilliant. So it's kind of a, it's a win-win. It's bringing young people in and we're increasingly seeing a, a little bit more diversity as well, which is nice. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's so important. Um, you know, the industry really needs to get ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I sigh because it's an argument that I think I've, I've been making now for uh, almost 30 years. And so I get a little tired of saying, yes. uh, it's time. you know, when you look at it in, in a, in a 30-year window, it's like, oh, really, seriously, let's do this now. Um, there are a lot of uh, very capable people of all kinds um, who want to get involved in aviation, and they should be given the opportunity because there's going to be a lot of demand. Um, and if the industry is going to be an industry of the future and not just a, a you know a, an industry of the past, then it's going to need to be dramatically more diverse. And of course, you broke some of those glass ceilings a long time ago, Marissa. You know, as being a, a CEO of an of an aircraft interiors company yourself and and even our sponsor um jetliner cabins um author jennifer coots clay also a, a a smasher of glass ceilings it's it's interesting it's nice to see in interiors um you know uh, women you know in prominent roles and and increasingly um increasingly getting involved on the engineering side as well it's super exciting yeah But unfortunately, we're rapidly coming to a close. We want to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at RunwayGirl. And remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. We'd love to have you. And I got to tell you, particularly around aircraft interiors, which is just around the corner, that PaxHex hashtag is going to be used quite a lot. Uh, You're going to see a lot of interesting uh, shares on Twitter under that hashtag. And you'll also see them under the AIX18 hashtag as well. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, the Jetliner Cabins ebook app. And I'd like to thank Marissa for being our guest. Marissa, where can listeners find you at? Well, I, I designer jet because somebody took at flight shake. So please don't use that. <laughs> at designer jet on Twitter um, and on flightchic.com. That's with a C as in chic.com. Also, I have a newsletter that is really popular. So you can sign up there. All right, Marissa, always a pleasure speaking with you. And we'll ask all of you to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX podcast. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.